0: Welcome to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven and uh, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Now, this week I'm making it more of a a, a bit of a magazine. I'd like to play an interview that uh, I did with the BBC concerning recruitment and retention of social workers and the whole landscape of uh, social work profession. And, you know, questions were asked about why people go into social work when there's such enormous stress and strain on it, why people are not into children's services and why there's so many agency staff around so that's a whole discussion we have and we'll put that in at the beginning and then um, i'm going to let you hear an interview i did with diona hooper from uh, south carolina who has just produced uh, an excellent app which details will be on the site uh, for social work in america and i'd love to hear your thoughts about whether it would be a good thing here um, Diona runs the Social Work Helper, which is a, a magazine, a online magazine that now is establishing itself as a, a very um, solid and um, worthwhile uh, review of social work practice and resources. So, let's hear Diona. So, but first of all, I'd like to go to the uh, the BBC.
1: David Niven chairs two children's safeguarding boards. David, morning. Morning, Emma. Why is there such a problem recruiting social workers to work for local authorities?
2: Well, mainly it's a case of um, a job that has to be done. It's one of the most vital jobs, you know, in any local authority can actually provide. And so, you know, if the, the spend has to be made, the spend has to be made. There's a difficulty right across the country I think some people at one point were saying, not too long ago, that about one in five children's social work posts were vacant. And obviously, um, because the pressure is on local authorities to protect the children in their area, they have to recruit wherever they possibly can. And, I mean, obviously, agencies are there. Mm. They are more expensive, yeah. Um, but it's one of these ones It's the caught between the rock and the hard place because if they didn't fill them, The uh, caseloads of the uh, existing permanent social workers would be so overloaded that, you know, mistakes are on the horizon. And of course, we all know what happens um, in a child's life if they aren't protected properly.
1: Why would a qualified children's social worker choose to work for an agency rather than than in a permanent position? Well, I think the
2: interesting thing sometimes is, I mean, there's a whole variety of reasons. I mean, in some cases, it's money, because they might get more money on, on the short term, you know, if they actually do that, because it's, it's perhaps seemingly more attractive to do so. Flexibility, in terms of the hours that they work or in terms of the, the length of contract that they take, because for all sorts of personal reasons. Sometimes the place they work in is to do with lifestyle. I mean, uh, I know, for example, in places like... Um, Cornwall or wherever, you know. People don't just choose to go there. They choose to go there because of lifestyle reasons as much as anything until they tend to stay longer. What about continuity, um,
1: though, for the actual, you know, the, the cases, the the children and families that they're working with? Does continuity get affected if you're only using agency staff?
2: Yes, and that, that that's definitely a point uh, against. The permanent use of agency staff or the, the continuing use of agency staff, one of the more the main precepts of, of social work, of good social work, is actually forming a long-term relationship with child, family, whatever. And obviously, if you're just coming in and out, agency staff can't fulfil that. I mean, I'm not saying agency staff are, are any worse social workers. They're, no. they're, they're usually just as good. But quite correctly, what you said there, the, the relationship tends to be affected and therefore... You know, the continuity, the the, 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 the working with a child, uh, the gaining the trust, the whole idea of actually being uh, a trusted friend as well as a professional within that child's life does get sort of watered down a bit.
1: <laughs> Um, is there a you mentioned about a national issue with recruiting social workers to work with children how significant is the publicity that happens when a high profile case comes up does that put people off of choosing social workers a career?
2: I think it can't help but do that that's what we've found when we're talking around the country to people I mean obviously if, if you see constant headlines that sort of challenge social work practice or challenge what happened or, you know, the old story, I think we've talked before about this, you know, the mm. kind of um, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing, you know, when making major decisions about a child's life, obviously people shy away from pressure sometimes about and thinking, well, I don't want to put myself into that. I'd rather do some other discipline within social work that's much more fulfilling and less less fraught, if you like. Um, on the other hand, it's a hugely valuable profession and a hugely valuable task that social workers perform. And so if the caseloads were smaller, in other words, if, if the whole um, the profession was actually fully staffed, as it were, and, and ways are being tackled at the moment to deal with this, I've got to say, and, you know, the, the local authorities in our area here in the southwest are as much in the forefront of trying to tackle this as anybody else, then... Ultimately, you know, you're going to have a much more um, efficient and practical uh, workforce.
1: In the meantime, though, is council overspend in this area inevitable, do you think?
2: Well, I mean, I think, I think so. The, the cuts at the moment, let's not get too political, but everybody knows what we're talking about. The austerity measures that are being forced on local authorities and public services at the moment are digging deep into the credibility of local authorities and their ability to actually fulfill their task. The, um, the cuts in public services, somebody's going to make a decision what goes. Is it going to be children's services? Is it going to be the elderly? Is it going to be mental health? Is it going to be something? Something's got to go because the government demand that cuts are made and local authorities haven't got total control over the budgets. And at the end of the day, it's the people in these communities, the vulnerable people in these communities that are suffering. And for some unknown reason to me, or just some absolutely kind of um, political, kind of um, ridiculous reason, I think, people are suffering. And I think effectively at the end of the day, it's the wrong decisions that are being made to cut things to public services. And um, there's plenty of other things in the government locker that I think we could do without instead of actually cutting services to the
1: vulnerable. David Niven for Prime Minister, maybe. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get you in there, David. Uh, thank you very much for your time. David Niven there, former chair of the British Association of Social Workers. He also produces the Social World podcast.
0: Well, I am joined now by Dionna Hooper, who is in Carolina in the United States, and she is the founder, the developer, and the editor in chief of the social of social work helper. Now, Diona's a social worker. She's got a masters in social work, and she uh, concentrated on management and community practice, and has looked at the non-profit side of things, and has been kind of engaging in all sorts of different developments, left, right, and centre ever since, and uh, we'll make sure that you can understand how to look up the Social Work Helper, how to get in touch with Diona if you want to, and look at all the different things that she's been doing in the past. But firstly, I'm going to ask her all about a new innovation that she's just put onto the market. So welcome, Diona.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. Now, Social Work Helper, you've just developed an app for social work, and, um, well, just te- could you just tell us a little bit about it, the background, why it is, and, and where you're hoping it's going?
3: Absolutely. Well, actually, when you look it up in the iTunes or the Android market, it actually shows up as a news app. Um, because Social Work Helper technically is a news website with a social work focus. So the goal of the app is to make Social Work Helper more mobile. There's a huge um, mobile market, which my analytics and most data and research will show you that people tend to get more information from their mobile phones than from the desktop. So part of the expansion uh, was to capitalize on more people who are mobile, who access information that way, um, to engage those people more so. Um, and to expand the market of people that I have access to. Okay. So that was the goal of the mobile app.
0: What, 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 would, what would people find on it? I know you're, it's in development still, but I mean, you know, ultimately, yeah. what, what are you it's, looking for people to find on it?
3: It's very much still in development. Um, of course, you're going to find the articles that we create on Social Work Helper within the app. But also, one of the things that I'm expanding with the app is, you know, looking at different ways that people consume information. Some people prefer videos versus editorial content. Um, We're going to soon be offering podcasts um, from different social work perspectives, even some from social justice perspectives, um, so that people will be able to consume information that way. But the most important feature that it has, which is very U.S.-centric and I hope that we can develop more apps, well, that I can develop more apps in the future. Part of it is about scale and resources, but this app was pretty much um, US focused with this particular service. Um, So basically there's a fine service um, functioning app where people, no matter what resource, whether you're looking for domestic violence resources, whether you're looking for a food bank, low cost prescriptions, we put in, well, I put in a lot of online databases so people could have access to them quicker and find local resources in their area faster.
0: So it's and a very so, modern resource bank, really.
3: Well, that that was the idea. I know when I was working in CPS and Child Protective Services here in the U.S., um, I didn't have, we, we often either had an intern or I had to look up all the resources myself for all of my clients. We didn't have like an online direct a directory. We had Google. Google. Google was our online directory. Mm-hmm. So whenever I needed to connect clients with services quicker, you know, Google was the only thing that I had. So hopefully this app will take some of those vetting out for social workers And the resources, the primary online directory for that particular service, they'll be able to find it quicker. And so I categorize them by, you know, the needs that I ran into the most. I mean, it's not all inclusive, but I'm hoping that it will reach, you know, solve an issue for a lot of people.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, is is this primarily it is for professional people involved in the care system, wherever and whether it's social work or or associated kind of disciplines? Is that right?
3: Yes. And and I'm hoping that not only helping professionals will take advantage of this app, but I'm hoping that individuals um who are looking for resources or helping a loved one or a caregiver. Um, who has to access resources all the time that they will be able to find this app useful as
0: well. Now, that's interesting because, I mean, that's obviously one angle I was going to ask about your thinking on. Um, I mean, over here, for example, there's a few people, you know, dipped their toes into the water at the moment to do with kind of um, um, some kind of digital service for for our world. But, for example, there's one I can think of called Momo, M-O-M-O, which is Mind of My Own which is an app that's been developed for care leavers, oh. uh, uh, you know, telling them all about benefits, housing, how where to do this, how, how to help on job interview, you know, the, the, the whole range that a young person who's leaving care might want to have at their fingertips. And um, so I suppose I was wondering about if you're developing it for um, service users, you know, for those that actually uh, use social work services uh, as well.
3: Yes, I, I, you know, initially... I wanted it to just be for helping professionals. And so I had added in a social networking component Mm -hmm. so that social workers could also interact and um, find each other quickly, um, you know, for support. But Mm. then, you know, when I started looking at who was, you know, who was downloading this app and the feedback that I was getting, you know, as far as responses and email, what I found also that a lot of individual people were attracted to this app as well for for those reasons for for caregiving um you know and and i have a lot of readers that follow social work helper that are not um service providers Mm -hmm. so i removed the social networking component so it wouldn't um be any security or you know security concerns for you know, people interacting. I, I didn't feel comfortable with individuals um, and service providers being on a type of social network together. So I removed those components. And so now it's just the flow of information out and there's no interaction.
0: Okay. So we can we can begin to, to see that you're hinting at kind of future developments and areas that you want to strengthen. So. Generally speaking, I mean, somebody listening to this in the UK, and remember that this podcast goes into 99 countries now. So, you know, there, there will be kind of a variety of um, listeners in different situations, but the majority are in the UK. And what, what would you say that would be useful to them at the moment about Social Work Help or about the app? Because, I mean, my guess would be that there are transferable and knowledge and there's there's different things i mean there'll be different legal matters and all sorts of things but there's a lot of the work in social work is transferable isn't it
3: yes it is and one of the things with social work helper that i really try to focus on when we're creating content and putting information out there i try to keep in mind that there are people from different countries reading and consuming that information so even though I would love to improve and boost more local content um, driven about the UK. I do try to focus on topics that are very universal and and, and widely consumed by anyone. So like if you just wanna know more information about sex abuse prevention or looking at different models that may be working for different sectors, those are the kinds of things that we try to highlight so that people can take that information and see how they can apply it in their own sector or in their own local communities. So I try to present information at a very macro level so people can drill it down to the micro and see how they can help it apply to them and, and where they're at.
0: So, good. So, the on the app, on, on, on you know, where we access our currently social work helper, I mean, is there um, a facility for exchanging information for um, kind of um, like a kind of like not a notice board, but you know what I mean, like a a place that you can go to actually ask questions and and interact with other readers?
3: Actually, right now, the only thing that I use for that is Facebook, the Facebook community. You know, I was going and I did in the earlier version of the mobile app that did exist, Hmm. but I did become concerned about, there are strong, you know, there's still strong feelings persist from individuals about social workers and and their role and their interaction. So I did want to limit that because there's still some concerns of that that mixing of, um, you know, even though, they're all social work help readers. you know, I had to be mindful of how um, that interaction could affect mm. one another.
0: Well maybe so I should develop now
3: I use the Facebook page yeah. so that people can um, interact, and sometimes it's it's um, <laughs> sometimes it's a difficult conversation for individuals for social workers to hear how individuals feel about their experience with social
0: workers. Well, you know, we all know that there are going to always going to be people that have a fantastic experience. There's other people who uh, see um, the disappointment translated into what they consider a very negative experience. And so, you know, it's always going to be that way because you're dealing with the depth of human emotion and, and everything and the whole landscape of life itself, aren't you, in social work? exactly Um, well look can i just ask you something maybe slightly developing this a bit more because you know when i publish this podcast obviously within the text side of it as well you know on the website and so on there'll be plenty of opportunities now links into to to what you're doing and social work helper of the app everything so can i just broaden it a little bit and say well here's you tapping into if you like the digital future and here's you beginning to think about social work in the digital future, what's your uh, experience to date about the social work scene in the bits of America that you're familiar with, at least, and and how they are embracing or not embracing, in the inevitable um, kind of um, uh, technology te- technological changes that are coming.
3: Well, I think, I think it's a conversation that many of us in in the practice are having are being forced to have um because technology is constantly moving and evolving and it's part of the digital world this is part of how the world consumes information now so social work is either having is being left behind or it has to evolve along with it um to be competitive in the marketplace to be competitive for um People who are, you know, a generation of people who are very technologically advanced and then having to go into a profession where you still have to write your notes (laughs) and then go type them into a system that's very technologically, um, Mm. you know, very, very slow to embrace technology. And so these conversations are being forced to, to begin. And so... Uh, what I find with Social Work Helper, um, it was uh, that that void in that space allowed Social Work Helper to grow very quickly uh, in comparison to some other media platforms, um, because I did embrace social media. I, I did embrace technology and I also embrace social justice, which is an issue of many um in my age group and younger, and then having the combination of all these, th- all these things um, in this macro bubble, um, it, it spoke to a lot of people and people migrated to it. And social media um, was one of those things where people of my age group and younger are, are, are having the discussions of our day about how we feel about society how we feel about life in general, and so um, hmm. social work helper was able to fill that void in that social work space.
0: How do you? And, uh, yeah, sorry. Can oh. I just just ask a couple of things? Just because sure. I mean, it, it, for me, the debate is still really to be had. It's only in its infancy, and maybe exactly. we're, we're a bit late, but never mind. Both both sides of the water here, but um, things like uh, the apps. Um, and also things like, you know, the the different sort of social media platforms. Now, there's been a debate going on here for a while about um, whether or not it's considered unethical, if you like, from a social work perspective, to what some people would call spy on um, people's social media if you considered that somebody in that household was at risk. To gain information about changes, composition or gather evidence or whatever about that household. Now, we all know that the police do this in some forms or another, but should social work question, you know, that's a debate that sort of um, is, is, again, as I said, in its infancy, but it's certainly very relevant um to one or two child deaths that we've come across in this country, saying, for example, well if we'd only looked at the um, household social media, there might that might just have been preventable
3: you know i just I just posted about um, an article on based on, on the social Work helper Facebook uh, in reference to our online self and our reality self and and research and studies show that those two are oftentimes dramatically different. Um, as a CPS investigator, child welfare investigator, I use social media as a tool to locate people, um, to get a sense of, um, you know, that person's daily life. But mm-hmm. I also had to understand and realize that an online presentation is really oftentimes not a true manifestation of that person. (laughs) It's a presentation or...
0: Surely not. Surely people don't put photographs of themselves looking younger and things like that. I can't believe
3: (laughs) it. Exactly. So you have to, uh, you know, I think it's imperative that as a profession, we need to do a better job of educating and training our social work students and professionals in our core education um, about how to use social media understanding, not just the aspects of the technology, but also the research behind um, social media. I mean, there's a lot of psychology that goes into social media understanding mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah. we are not imparting that knowledge on our... Um, it's like we're giving people in our professional car and say here go drive it and we expect you to use it responsibly and don't hurt anybody (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and we need to do a better job
0: now there's other aspects though that do pose some risk and i think these are going to be one of the some of the challenges for example if a child is adopted um, from a, a very difficult situation where there was a lot of risk and abuse and so forth and The birth family are excluded from then on. But when that child gets older and gets to be able to manipulate, you know, social media, the digital world, you know, more are now tracing their birth families that way, Um, you know, know, unsupervised. Uh, And that is proving to be quite a tricky kind of uh, new challenge. Would would you recognize that?
3: You know, this is the challenge that I don't really think is a technology one, but a human one that we need to rectify within our profession. I mean, this case study show over and over again that when we sever a child from the family, whether we, with cause, you know, which is, you know, often the reason why a child has to be adopted, but we do sever that child from their entire family, not just their birth parents but from their cousins, their grandparents, any extended family, we sever that child. And case study after case study shows that this child is going to look and seek out this family. I mean, it, it almost never fails. So why do we not add in protections for when that happens? Why do we not create laws and safeguards to, to help this child um, reconnect with that family if they choose to in the future? Um, I just think that that's something that we should not only consider when we, you know, in paternity rights, um, we should also look ahead and anticipate, um, that this child is going to want to reconnect and how can we help facilitate that in a safe manner. That's one of the things I've always thought that we should do better.
0: No, good point um it really just illustrates again one of a uh, uh, numerous challenges that are we're going to have to deal with and that's why as well we have to get up to speed with the actual use of the digital world let, let me ask a little bit about the image of social work because in in my in many respects to my view and I think it's the same in America um social workers are it, it's sometimes about how they're regarded in the community and you know an an awful lot of them are not permitted for example to talk to the media or or there's not enough information put into the media because people in employers where employers regard things as secret instead of confidential you know there's no sense in identifying a child when it's not necessary that's important that's other times you can talk about good news, you can talk about success. I mean, what's the landscape like, would you say, in America for that?
3: I mean, I think the same is here. I, I think it's the same as there. Um, hmm. You know, when I first started Social Work Helper, many people told me that what I was doing was unethical because I was not just talking about practice issues like how to, um, you know, how to do a genogram. Oh, that's it's that's it's okay to have that conversation, but when I want to talk about you know politics or um, issues involving what we're ha- what we're facing today, but from a social work perspective or giving a social work, um, hmm. you know, looking at that issue through a social work lens, I was often told that that was unethical. Um, social workers shouldn't be having those conversations we shouldn't be engaging in those conversations in public and so that's one of the things I want to set out to change when I created this platform and to encourage people that you can have conversations there's nothing confidential about talking about process about um hmm. how we protect um To help people better understand the systems that we implement, there's there's nothing wrong with helping people navigate um, the worlds that, you know, most of the things that we implement, people have to go through those systems and they often don't have any guidance or anyone helping them navigate. And I said, who better to do that than us?
0: No. I um, it, I agree with it, you on that part. I, just, just briefly, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but briefly, just to say, you don't have to wait for a case to arrive to tell people what happens in a case.
3: Exactly. Exactly. I, I think if we had those conversations, social workers wouldn't seem as scary. Also, people would have a better understanding that social workers are, are in many aspects of life and not just child welfare. Um, you know, we, we help people in, you know, palliative care. What, I mean, people you're going to have, unless you're extremely wealthy at some point in your life, you're going to have a social worker involved in your life, whether, you know, you're, you're sick or you have a sick family member or, you know, here in the U.S. you have school social workers who, you know, there, there are social workers everywhere. Um,
0: like like mushrooms they just spring up overnight
3: yeah (laughs) exactly and imagine if we were out front having those conversations we would be better able to help people navigate and they wouldn't see us as the boogeyman
0: (laughs) no i know i get it i get it but listen would you agree with this there's one point before i get to your final question because we're going to be running out of time but just in uh, in this country, I, I've been invited to give a guest lecture. I did this some time ago at uh, a postgraduate journalism class to actually explain a bit to journalists or pretend, you know, journalists-to-be about what social worker is and therefore uh, inform them a bit before they get out there when they were sent off to do stories about social work, which I thought was quite reasonable and I'd like to see it the other way around. I'd like to see experienced journalists you know, coming and giving guest lectures on social work courses, just to explain a little bit about what they would be all looking for, what, what drives them, and therefore what social workers could expect. I think, you know, it's not, not every journalist is, is a kind of, a, kind of a, a, a slavering anti-social work person, you know. A lot of them are cooperative and interested, provided you give them truth and, and reasonable kind of data. Okay. And so you know, at the end of the day, I think we could do far more together. Um, so just what comment about that? But then, if you'd also like, finally, just to say a little bit more about social work helper and where you see it going, how people can access it, and um, you know, we'll revisit it, and I'll I'll promote it through this podcast as well. And and you know, you can you can tell people about the podcast too. So I think it's all a question of cooperation here. So. Firstly, about the journalists, and then finally about the social work helper, if you would.
3: Yes, I mean, I absolutely agree that um, if we, one, one of the things about social education, when we're get, being educated to become social workers, there's so many opportunities for collaboration and crossover. Um, you have the schools of journalism, everyone is right there. We have opportunities to learn and study from each other. And I think it would be a great opportunity if social workers did do more inter- interdiscipline um, type interaction. So, I and I also think that a lot of social workers are afraid of the press. There's a mutual fear because social workers have only been presented when, you know, a child dies and, mm-hmm. but, But journalists, that's, I mean, they're news writers. So, of course, that's what they're going to cover. Social work, if you want more human interest stories or more community outreach, you know, that is the responsibility of the social worker to present that information and to write editorial articles. That is not the journalist's job, to be the PR for social workers. So I think we have to educate on whose response, whose responsibility it is to present what information okay. and not expect the other to be their PR rep because that's not the journalist's job.
0: Okay. Finally, then, the future of Social Work Helper.
3: So the future for Social Work Helper, I really hope to expand it um, where I am doing um, and offering more content for other countries. I really want Social Work Helper to be a global magazine and I'm taking steps every day to move it towards that direction. I hope to use the platform to increase people's global awareness um, very much on a macro level so we can learn from each other and see how things are done in other places and so we can take that information and see how we can apply it to our own locality. So that's my hope for social work helper.
0: Okay. Anything final you'd like to say before we sign off?
3: Um, I would love to. Um, I would love to <laughs> connect. <laughs> My phone keeps ringing. I apologize. Okay. I would love to connect with a university and see how we could, um, you know, put together information to help train you know, social workers in um, technology and media.
0: Do you mean and, a, a university in the States or university here in Europe?
3: I'm open to any school. <laughs> I'm open to any school. <laughs> when, I mean, I think with social work, it has to be a school that's open to this idea, and it's not a popular concept yet in our profession. Um, I think there are different pockets in different schools that, you know, are starting to see that they, <clears throat> there has to be some evolution. So it really would require a type school that says, okay, I see the the need and the importance for this. Let's innovate and try something different. And so.
0: Okay. Well, let's hope that somebody's listening. Diona Hooper, <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And um, I'm sure we're going to talk to you again in the future. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, that's it for this time. Um, Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Um, Please keep your uh, thoughts and comments coming about uh, future podcasts, what we can do. I'm also looking out for some guest blogs, if any of you are interested out there, and um, if they fit in, I'd be very welcoming of them. Um, As well as that, remember, there's SpeakPipe, which is that one-click service right beside um, the podcast on the website, which you can leave an instant voice message on. And um, I would be delighted if you uh, did so. So, with thanks, as always, to Alba Digital Media. I'll see you next time. Thank you.